Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for February the 24th. In the year of our Lord, 2023, this is our one of two, and our goal always to promote God, family, and country, to protect life, liberty, and property, to do so on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. We use the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by our founding fathers, along with the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And as you well know, we reject re- revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration. That's right. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. That is a freedom-loving, fantastic, faith-filled, we're taking America back one heart, one mind, one issue at a time Friday. Quickly, a recap of yesterday's two-hour broadcast. We had on Kelly Finnegan, rustcoiningift.com. We talked about the Honest Money Report, constitutional currency, gold and silver. Uh, We lied. We cheated. We stole. Yeah, that's Mike Pompeo, former CIA director, offering an honest, if not disturbing, admission about CIA activity. Why aren't people in prison for that, ladies and gentlemen? Behind every great fortune, there is a crime. We talked about that with Kelly. Hour two, we had our guest on, a lady by the name of Cherie Sapir. She's a mother. She's a business owner, a problem solver. Sapir az.com her website s-a-p-i-r-a-z why because she uh, was a candidate for the arizona education superintendent of schools and was carrie lake's pick an advisor for the campaign for school programs folks she's a successful real estate broker property manager general contract uh general contractor Uh, as well as an interior designer. She served in the Israeli military because she was from Israel, helping uh, the soldiers' families when dead soldiers would return. She wants to bring that experience of dealing with people at one of the lowest points of their lives. She wants to bring that to education in the Arizona Education Department. Anyway, she had her phone cloned and almost had a tracking device put on her car as she ran for office. She says she'll never run for office again. Yeah, we talked about her transparency portal on her website. We talked about exposing doctrinization of children. And we talked about an idea she has. It's a parent's bill of rights. Wow, God gave us the bill of rights. Get government out of it, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, then we talked to Pete Sepp, National Taxpayers Union, president thereof. We talked about this CBO's new budget baseline should raise red flags for lawmakers. Boy, howdy, is that true? They're like drunken sailors. Even Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans aren't even really talking about saving any money. They're not even going to debate or discuss the debt ceiling until it's, what do you want to say? Oh, dark 30, too late to do anything about it kind of a thing. We talked about SCOTUS, don't break the Internet. And then we talked about where does your state rank on work from home tax laws and more. Remote work is here to stay, folks. More and more workers, 30 million work from home in some fashion or another, hybrid plan or otherwise. We also talked about the debt ceiling debate. They're not getting serious at all. 
because everything they're doing is nothing but window dressing, and they're going to wait till the last minute and then uh, be forced to cave, and they're going to just try to extract whatever they can get. Won't be near enough. Won't change the game. Won't uh, avoid uh, the continual downgrading of our U.S. credit ratings because everything we do, we raise the debt ceiling, and it'll tank the ratings. We decide we won't raise the debt ceiling. Supposedly, it'll affect the credit rating. The only way to solve it, ladies and gentlemen, and I pointed this out to Pete Sepp on the radio. I'll point it out to you. I'm the only one bringing such a simple plan to the table. Here it is. You ready? Shut government down entirely and then pass single subject bills restoring every justifiable constitutional provision and nothing more. If it's constitutional, we fund it. If it's not, it's gone. They could do it in a matter of days if they had the guts, the integrity, the intestinal, internal fortitude, but they don't, so they won't, and therefore we're going to continue as the train wreck evolves. Sad but true. That's a recap of yesterday's show. Without further ado, we have an incredible show for you today. Dr. Scott Bradley's with me, as always, on Mondays and Fridays. FreedomsRisingSun.com, constitutional scholar and beyond. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Well, thank you, Sam, and uh, good morning to everyone. Um... Uh, I always, not always, but often give you a little weather report. We've got a winter wonderland here for sure, but at least the skies are clear today. And having some of the conversations I've had lately, this is going to go down in the record books as a long, hard winter. People will yeah. be talking about this for a long time. I, global warming, I could use a little bit right now. I'm getting tired of shoveling the global warming. <laughs> not only that, the snow is super heavy and wet and thick and stuff, too. No, it's great. We need it. I mean, there's no question about Amen. it. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that, that we have we are in the midst of a long, hard winter, and uh, I've got some ground in a, a little different area from my home, and the the snow is chin deep along the road there. I mean, it's well. Uh, if you were, if you were, um, I, I don't know how to say this, but scientifically qualified, you would realize that this global freezing stuff really is part of global warming. You know. Well, you know, and they do play that angle an awful lot. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. In New Hampshire, they had a, a deal where um, in one of the mountains there, it was Washington Mountain or something like that in New Hampshire, it was 46, minus 46 Fahrenheit with the wind at a steady 100 and gust to 125. That brought the wind chill to uh, like 110 below, something like that. And uh, they they people that talk about that somehow is related to this uh, bizarre philosophy of global warming. And uh, and, and you say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, okay, anything you say. I mean, that's about what we are down to in this old world today. Yeah, and the interesting thing so to me, though, is when you saw those freezing temperatures that are just unnaturally beyond normalcy cold, way extreme, it's interesting that weather balloon they claimed from China that now they say was a surveillance balloon or whatever the heck, you know, a spy balloon, whatever words we want to use. It's interesting how that freezing cold tracked that balloon. And when that balloon went away, so did the cold. I mean, it didn't, <laughs> the cold didn't go away, but that extreme crazy cold did. And I wonder if there's a connection. Of course, I bring it up and everybody just laughs and rolls their eyes and thinks I'm a, a loon. Uh, but take it for what you will. Strangely enough, those things paralleled each other, scaring or shockingly uh, close, whatever you want to say. All right, we've got a great guest for today. His name is Brad Good, and he's a China expert. Uh, he's the president of an organization called the China Declaration, thechinadeclaration.com to learn more. He's got two master's degrees from the University of Chicago. He's lived and worked in China for a long time, starting in 1988. And he's 
uh, author of the best-selling book called The Control Center. Brad, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. And hello, uh, Dr. Scott Bradley. Um, Glad to visit with you. I'm going to learn a lot today, I'm sure. So I'm going to, I'm anxious to hear what you've got to say. I I want to give you my weather report since you started off with yours. Since I think of myself as a global citizen, uh, having lived in Beijing and Shanghai, um, the use of coal in China is greater than the rest of the world. While I was in China during COVID, I witnessed firsthand small villages burning coal, burning their trash every morning. Uh, when there is a sunny day and you can actually see through the pollution, Chinese run out of their offices and they take pictures of the blue sky. And just recently, China came out after speaking with Joe Biden when they talked about the climate. And China, being the biggest polluter by far, said China claims for UN Climate Summit to address concerns of developing nations. How absurd can we get, right? We've arrived. Well, and then every little thing we do doesn't matter much because when you look at the corporate polluters, if you will, even around the world, even in the United States, even after we push 90% of our pollution to the communist nation of China to hide it, um, we pretend somehow that that's okay, but any way you look at it, the, the things that I do individually, um, Bill Gates obliterates that in one massive airline flight, or you know, Joe Biden and uh, company, you know, they're flying around the world to their Davos conventions and everything else. Look, they use in one swoop more uh, energy and, and and more whatever you want to say footprint. Their footprint's larger in one event than mine is for literally my whole lifetime, Brad. Yeah, it is. And I I think that we'll get there. It's just a question of time. But my big concern is that when we talk about things um, about the balloon, immediately the strategy of the U.S. government toward China becomes sanctioning companies that produced parts of the balloons. And so what happens is you have a strategy from America that's event focused as opposed to strategic objective focused right you know what i mean yes i do strategic objective focus would highlight this idea that look we know that the money that we're spending in china in year over year uh, trade deficits is being used directly to build the communist chinese party military so we're funding our eventual clash and demise by that very lack of strategic planning and or a strategic planning that would be um, traitorous to the United States. Don't know which by whom, but I will say this, either way, the effect is the same, right? I, I think you're right. And I want to just sort of share what, what hey, we believe. Can you skip believe, the break, Jay? Is, Go ahead, Brad. Go ahead, sir. Across the world, people look at China unfavorably. In Australia, Pew Research showed that um, – 86% of the people view China unfavorably. In Japan, it's 87. In America, it's 82%. And so what we did was we detailed the China Declaration. We detailed China's travesties toward its own people and to the world. And we asked people a simple question, which is, do you agree that we should be without the influence of the Chinese Communist Party? And if so, sign. 
And this is a big deal because that's the strategy, right? And because um, what's happening in the world is no policy is getting through and is being done because you have all these victim groups that are separate, Washington lobbyists. And so there's no strategy when it comes to addressing uh, the biggest geopolitical threat in the world. Um, so I wanted to bring that up because there's a lot of ad hoc policies towards China, but no cohesive strategy that then gets everyone involved. And then there's the development of strategic initiatives that really aim to achieve that objective, like sanctioning China's 2,300 national party members, Congress party members. That would have an impact. No one is doing that. It's easy. So you know, it, that's it, it's something uh, I, I, you know, I just can't help but say that uh, the Bill Clinton administration and coming forward and certainly the Joe Biden administration are bought and paid for. I mean, Bill Clinton sold state secrets to China based upon uh, donations to his uh, campaign. And uh, Joe Biden, I mean, uh, everything that's happened with the uh, big guy receiving funds and the uh, uh secured information that's been in his possession and his son's uh, perusal and everything else like that while they were cutting deals. I don't know why we should expect anything different. It seems like, you know, the, the current leadership of the nation is basically bought and paid for, and China's um, getting their residuals on that thing. That's about where it boils down to, it seems to me. You're, you're so right. And that's exactly why we're doing what we're doing, because you, get, you need to get the mass population around the globe involved, because uh, to add to what you said, Asian countries are part of the trade agreement with China. And so they don't want to do anything to rock the boat. No one wants to do anything. So it's going to be up to the people in a peaceful way of coming together so that we have a much bigger voice. And I really, let's be, I really let's believe be very this. clear, though. On one hand, we think that the strategy is ad hoc and based on events. Day to day, they're our most favored nation partner. Day to day, this, that. When something kind of comes up that's politically, um, you know, difficult to navigate, then we uh, act like China. We've got to be careful of China. Don't, don't, don't run the TikTok app because, by golly, the Chinese might be spying on you. Hey, this balloon is of concern. Let's respond to that and shoot it down. But yet, China remains our most favored nation trading partner. And the Founding Fathers taught this principle, Brad, and I want to highlight it and get your take on this related to China. You know, if there's a, 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 a direction that we go that's like a blip, you know, it might be an accident. It might be a mistake or it might be whatever. But when you see a train of usurpations or you see a, a steady plot towards something, it is not by accident. It is intentional. And so I look at the communist Chinese strategy that we have right now. We've rewarded them as our most favored nation trading partner. I don't personally believe we ought to have any favorite partner of any kind. We ought to be kind to everyone, trade with everyone. But you know what? This favored status, this special privilege, this, and then this incredible trade deficit. We have literally, over time, um, transitioned jobs from America to China. Literally disassembled our ability to make anything. Absolutely psychotic from a security point of view. Uh, but I digress, except to say that this is a methodical, planned effort. Our government, our leaders have been in bed with and cooperating with and involved with the Communist Chinese Party for quite some time. Uh, it borders on treasonous, sir. And, and, and you can say, well, Sam, you've gone too far. But I would say this simply. This is a planned thing. We didn't just all of a sudden fall into this and go, golly, we've had billions of trade deficits. 
with them for decades now, and we've built their whole military from uh, security uh, technological leaks or transfers, if you will, to funding to it goes all the way down the line. This cannot be an accident, Brad. I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, there's no reason to have for them for China to have the WTO join the WTO, which they did in 2001. I think that for everyone, everyone must remember China violated WTO. They violated the Sino-British agreement regarding Hong Kong. They violated the most recent trade agreement that Trump did. So this is a this is a country and a group of, of leaders that you cannot trust. You must not do agreements with them because they will not honor them, period, right? Um, and, you know, we, we need to go from there, but there needs to be a clear strategy, which I think we've set out, right? And then you need the initiatives to go and attack it, um, to execute the strategy. Any business would have that. A country needs that. And I think the attention span of leaders is so short. Um, they're constantly worried about being reelected. They have other issues to deal with. Uh, Mike Gallagher, who's brought in for the, the China committee, he's even falling into the trap of focusing on specific issues like what are we going to do with the Uyghurs? How are we going to speed up things for Taiwan? That's not the issue. It's not the Chinese Communist Party's the issue, right? He has no overarching plan, and he's a military man, right? He's fighting battles, not looking to win the war. We all should be concerned. You know, it's it's frustrating to me. I, I've often said we have the best enemies money can buy, and uh, I think China is a prime example. We can go back in Russia and all the other things that we've had. But, uh, I mean, go back to uh, post-World War II when uh, George uh, Marshall turned all Jap captured Japanese weapons over to Chairman Mao. He wasn't chairman then, but and uh, facilitated the destruction of the whole nation and the and its enslavement under Chinese. The idea of uh, Nixon and the opening the, the, the uh, Chinese connection, uh, the George H.W. Bush uh, involvement with China, the issues of Reagan uh, signing the most favored nation status in 1986, uh, that the uh, Clinton uh, facade that happened with his sale of everything because he wanted his re-election and the big money that China was offering to what Bill, uh, I mean, uh, Joe Biden's doing now. I mean, I just do not see, if this was a multiple guest test, you know, a, a ABCD test, we always pick the wrong answer. There's never a accidental, uh, you know, just happenstantial uh, kind of based on odds picking a good answer. We always pick the wrong answer. So I'm really interested in, in what you're recommending the United States do uh, to change this uh, facade and this uh, hemorrhaging of everything in our whole national security. I mean, man, it's we, we got to do something because we're doing everything wrong. Oh, okay, so so I would that's a really really good question, and we're approaching it not from a government standpoint. In fact, uh, the, you know the reason why people sign the China Declaration is because they see the listed it's it's like the declaration of independence doctor right it's so simply laid out what's important you know people have rights and then how has china trampled on the rights of chinese and how they trample on you know the, the rest of the world 
And if you agree, sign. So the whole idea is you have more of a grass movement globally. And so a lot of the victim groups, like the fentanyl groups, the organ transplant abuse, and even the military people see our plan and they're like, oh my God, you have a mission objective, right? Because the governments right now have proven themselves to be completely defunct, whether it's they're corrupt or whether it's, or they're in, inept. Something needs to be done and it needs to be separate from them because they've proven themselves incapable of having a co coherent strategy. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a crazy man. This is just simple, basic things that, that, that any normal person would agree with, right? Uh, so where do we go see take, this? How do I, how do, where do I, is you, there a website you, I go, go to? You, that, yes, you, you go, you go to the, China, the China Declaration com and I think particularly given your background about the Constitution and the history of the Constitution um, you know how important that the Declaration of Independence is right and that was a pivotal document in history at that time in bringing people together uh, all in agreement with what was written and also you know it enabled the United States to get finance from overseas countries and so forth but um, so that document has been written by, not just by me, but by a host of different people have given input, uh, and who are area experts, um, in all the things that are listed. So it's a, to me, it's a, it's a historical document. We don't need to do yes, research is. anymore. We, now, while Dr. We, Bradley kind of can review yeah. that for just a quick second, Brad, uh, sure. and <laughs> while Brad, you know, highlights, Hey folks, this is serious. The ChinaDeclaration.com is where you go to check it out. The ChinaDeclaration.com. Now, I, I have just a couple of ideas strategically that relate to it. You know, in my mind, you take sectors of, of society and reality. From an understanding point of view to educate the people, you need to highlight the Communist Manifesto and the United States Supreme Law, the Land, the Constitution. And you need to put them side by side and teach to everybody in the country the reality of which system leads to what. Communist Manifesto leads to tyranny and abuse and slavery. Okay, it's a godless reality. Compared to the United States Supreme Law, the land, the Constitution, which looks directly to God. The Founding Fathers looked to God saying he is the creator, governor of the universe. Uh, God is more important than government by far. We look to God, not government, for solutions. And the author of the universe, the creator of our liberty, is where we look. And so you contrast those and you say, God, Lee versus godless principles that lead to liberty and checks and balances on reducing the size and scope of government chaining bureaucrats down with the constitution for the protection and liberty and freedom of the people versus the opposite so first you get this educational campaign to truly clearly educate people on which system leads to what all right from an economic point of view you simply say look we're not going to buy anything from any country that we can't produce ourselves if you have a mineral or you have some kind of technique or you have some kind of international patent that gives you some reason, it will trade with you on occasion. But we're not going to get our peaches from Taiwan because we don't need to. We can grow peaches, right? Or whatever the case may be. Okay, so from an economic point of view, we're going to keep our money in-house. You know what? You spend a dollar and it goes to China. You spend it once. You keep it in the United States and it spends over and over and over and over and over and over again as it goes around blessing every aspect, every corner of the economy. From a military point of view, 
from a leadership point of view, uh, strategically. You know what? We prepare for we we prepare for war, but pray and plan for peace. We prepare for war, but pray and plan uh, for peace. So you know what? We're not going to transfer any of our technological advances anywhere. We're just not doing that. That's a national security crisis. Okay. I'm just getting started, but ladies and gentlemen, this is a one-man think tank bringing this to the table for you. When we get back, we're gonna we're gonna see how off the rail I really am. Or Brad Good can say anything he chooses. If I'm up in the night, tell me so, Brad. But we'll do it in seconds after Brad gets a chance to speak out. Brad Good. Then we'll have Dr. Bradley talk about it as well. TheChinaDeclaration.com. You're listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Prime. Today marks one year since Russia invaded their neighbor Ukraine that has put Europe on a war footing again. President Putin, one year ago, via a translator. Whoever tries to hinder us, and even more so to create threats to our country, to our people, should know that Russia's response will be immediate, and it will lead you to such consequences that you have never encountered in your history. President Biden announced the United States will send another $2 billion to Ukraine's war effort, The White House will announce new sanctions on Moscow very soon. Biden, G7 leaders, and Ukraine President Zelensky will meet virtually today to discuss plans moving forward. Former Naval Intelligence Officer Robert Charles on Fox News says if war starts under the Biden administration, we are not prepared. The contrast with Ukraine is extreme. We have cut back our shipbuilding capability. We have 20... I think the budget last year for Biden was $27 billion for shipbuilding, and we've given, just in the last year, $66 billion to Ukraine. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen confronted senior Russian officials during a meeting of finance ministers of the Group of 20 Nations on Friday, calling it a moral imperative to end the war in Ukraine. We continue to ramp up the sanctions as we see ways to strengthen them and to diminish evasion. A sprawling, intense winter storm continues to affect the lower 48 states with the worst effects felt in the upper Midwest, Northeast, and West Coast Thursday. Today, rare blizzard warnings are being issued for the Southern California mountains and the mountains around San Francisco, California. National Weather Service meteorologist Frank Piera. This has the potential to bring some significant snows to parts of even Southern California that don't typically see snow. This is USA News. Hi, this is Joe Cordell with the law firm Cordell & Cordell. When the prospect of divorce becomes a reality, you need a partner that you can count on. If you're a man in this situation, consider contacting Cordell & Cordell. We've helped men navigate complex legal matters for 30 years. Contact Cordell & Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firms online at CordellCordell.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Online at CordellCordell.com. CordellCordell.com. Do you have a story to tell? Bring your story to life with audiobooks. Great stories deserve great storytelling. Audiobook Network provides professional voice actors and full production services for every author's manuscript. From narration, production, and editing to distribution, promotion, and sales, Audiobook Network handles everything. If you have a print book, ebook, or even a manuscript, call Audiobook Network now and get our free audiobook guide. 800-734-1229. 800-734-1229. 
Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com is with us. Our guest riding shotgun on the broadcast today, Brad Good, China expert, author, and more. He's creator of thechinadeclaration.com. His book is called The Control Center, a best-selling book, I might add. We're talking about the China challenge, ladies and gentlemen. America supposedly lacks a cohesive strategy. And in general, I think that's true on a day-to-day basis. From politician and bureaucrat uh, to politician and bureaucrat, it changes with administrations and etc. But it's only slight changes, though. There's a steady goal to embrace the communist Chinese party viewpoint uh, all over the world and in America now. And China continues to flex its muscle uh, using the very dollars that we've funded and built it with. What a disgrace that has been over the last several decades. But I said I'd put together my strategic uh, idea, and I've talked about economics, what I would do. I've talked about education, what I would do. The last point on economics is I would only trade with these countries in constitutional currency, gold and silver. Remember, honesty is the issue, and that's what keeps them honest, is you deal in real money, uh, first of all. So you got economic, you've got education. There's one other area that I would really uh, put my strategies together, and that's military. I would jealously guard our military secrets and our military advancements. I wouldn't let them have any idea what we're capable of or what we know or what we have or what we do or what we, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I would simply uh, treat countries like this, every one of them. I'd have a George Washington-esque humble foreign policy. Uh, That's the policy of Rand Paul and Ron Paul today, by the way. Uh, But I would have that humble policy. And here's how it would be. Look, we don't have any enemies at all anywhere because we're just kind. The more you treat your citizens fairly and honorably and uprightly, The more you uh, embrace constitutional principles of liberty, remember those documents I compared? The liberty document, the constitution, the tyranny document, the communist Chinese party, um, you know, the communist manifesto. Uh, And I would bet the more countries obey in a way that we believe is godly, moral, right, treating citizens uh, appropriately, the more I would be, you know, willing to engage with those countries. The more they act like a North Korea or, you know, those kind of things, the more I would simply pull back and say, look, we're not going to get involved with you. We're not going to let you share in the greatest economic engine the world has ever known. Uh, We're simply going to tell you to take a copy of the Constitution. It's a free export that we offer, and you can embrace the principles. And as you do so, uh, you know what? We will um, be more kind and more appropriate. Otherwise, we're not going to create hostilities. We're not going to get in the middle of your affairs. Uh, But we are going to have a very aloof but humble uh, foreign policy. you know, the, the, the idea is, look, otherwise you get blowback. Otherwise you make strange bedfellows. Otherwise you get compromised until the cows come home. So that's how I would deal with it militarily, educationally, uh, economically, et cetera, for starters. That's a one-man think tank point of view. Brad, Brad Good with us. What is your take on my thoughts? Well, first of all, I think what you said about teachers teaching the, the, the children about American values and contrasting that to socialistic and communist values, I think it's very, very important. And I would say it's like anything, both parents should be also educating their children, right, from a young age. And I think this should be a national priority. Um, I, we, I differ from you a little bit in terms of, uh, well, actually I support what you're saying, which is you wanna buy products that aren't from China. Cause I do that all the time. I look at the label and I, if it's from China, I don't buy it. Uh, however, I, I advocate American companies uh, and individuals to do business in China. Uh, they're welcome to. However, I just gave you a suggested strategic initiative 
of blacklisting the 2,300 uh, Congress, National Congress members. If we do that, what's going to be happening? China is going to rebel. They're going to try and get back at someone. Who are they going to get back at? <laughs> They're going to get back at the companies right, that are there. So through these strategic initiatives, China is going to be upset and they're going to be impacted. The economy is going to be impacted. And then the companies, the U.S. companies that are there are going to be impacted as well. And that's their fault. They need to be prepared for that strategic and political risk. But China's been stealing stuff, as you said. Now, on their new aircraft um, carrier, they have an electromagnetic catapult. There's no way that China developed the electromagnetic catapult on their own. Four years ago, they couldn't even manufacture a ballpoint pen and they couldn't copy Viagra. They're stealing everything, right? That they're stealing is, it or we're giving it away. I'm not quite positive of how many traitorous people we have in our midst, you're, but your you're point's right. well taken. You're right. And so I, when it comes to China, I would focus on things like and there's all justifications for this, closing all U.S. embassies in China. There's no reason why we need a $500 million embassy in Beijing. You can process visas in Manila, right? Um, and close, close the Chinese consulates in the United States. You know, we can do things like remove sovereign immunity for fentanyl families that have had kids that have died. There's other things that can be done to have a big impact that are non-military, like removing China's ability to access SWIFT or payments. So there's, we have the ability to do things. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Amen to that. I, I like to, yeah. You know. Dr. Bradley, your thoughts. Well, there's, there's so many, as I always say, with, when we're all together, Sam, I have a lot of strings I'd love to pull on, and it would take an hour on each one of them, probably. I, the idea of giving stuff away is absurd, but every time we do a military operation in any uh, field, I mean, whether it's in the sandbox or over in the Middle East or whatever, they're stealing our electronic signatures. I mean, our, our well, how we paint on a radar, what our uh, tactical... Um, frequencies are, uh, what our codes are, our military capability in terms of all that. Everybody, everybody picks up on that, and Brad mentions their uh, catapult. Um, I don't know where exactly they got that, but I would be shocked if it wasn't a follow-on from some of the previous administration sellouts. But, I mean, that, all of these things we'd love to talk about, but I'm looking at Brad's website, the thechinadeclaration.com, and just looking at some of the uh, analysis that's done, you know, they got uh, a pretty good, you know, string of ointed offals here. Uh, the internal aggressions of China, the external aggressions, and some of the uh, things that that are really working against everything. You know, not just, you know, some little group in or big group in China. There are big groups in China. But really working against the, the whole world and certainly against us. And, uh, you know, you talk about closing uh, consulates and everything. Well, China is opening up additional uh, police, uh, I don't know what you'd right. call them, headquarters in some of the big uh, metropolitan areas to, to have influence here. Uh, they're getting a really big footprint. Our governor in the state of Utah, and it's been multiple governors actually, is seeking to bring a beachhead. You know, look up beachhead in the dictionary. You know, it's basically a military landing zone from which you take your invasion further in. But the governors of Idaho and Utah talk about, oh, yeah, let's get China a beachhead in wherever they're in their state. 
these free trade zones and everything that they're facilitating, we are selling our souls for a mess of pottage right now. And instead of doing what Brad's suggesting, we're taking the exact opposite tack as a nation, and our governors are facilitating it. I mean, Utah's governor is treasonously involved in these kinds of things, and I don't know exactly what uh, Idaho's governor's done lately, but but the fact of the matter is they're cutting them a swath of freebies that they can do whatever they want in our states. And it, so this is not just a national thing, and, it, and it's not just an international thing. States and, and local governments have involvement, too. I, I, I saw in South yeah, Dakota. Yeah, and this is where the education that I mentioned, Dr. Bradley, comes in. They're doing it, but they, they mean well. They just think we're helping out the Chinese, or they, they have this skewed view of reality. They think we're all like buddy, buddy, you know, hey, my buddy, the communist Chinese over there. What they don't understand is we're being undermined at every turn. Well, the fact is, I think we're hurting the Chinese people in many instances because, well, and well, yeah, I don't know people, where this not fits. the government, though. And, that, and that's one point we'll get to uh, later in the next hour is the difference between the individual people in China versus the government. But go ahead, sir. But I'm, I'm concerned. I mean, maybe Brad's done some research on this. Back in the 1930s, uh, laws were passed in the United States that says you can't trade with countries that uh, use slave labor to build their products. And it seems to me like people say, oh, yeah, we, we, oh, they're not slaves. We're paying them $15 a month to do this or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, and we give them housing. Well, how far is this from the plantation that uh, the nation had some time ago? This is, uh, Brad, have you looked at this and the, how the slave labor stuff? Yeah. And how they're picking our well, pocket with slave labor? It's what they, they did pass a, a Uyghur law that had to do with Xinjiang, the Uyghur population in Xinjiang that were being sort of subjugated and used to manufacture products. And so that any product from that part is not supposed to be allowed into the United States. Um, so they're 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 doing that. Um, and I don't again, that's just one little little issue and you see that in the china declaration right it's listed there um yeah. and so one of the one of the points i want to mention is worldwide there are all these think tanks research organizations universities that do research on china okay their goal is research to understand china <laughs> and I'm, I'm telling you right here now they all can close their doors and turn off the lights and go home. All their funding should stop. It should all be focused on getting a solution <laughs> and execution, and preferably the majority on execution of a plan to deal with the issues they've been researching for the last 20 years. It's a farce, all these institutes. Um, and I think they're going to be made aware. We're going to make them aware of it. We're already in some articles I've written. I'm, I'm discussing it. There's no, we know all the atrocities. We've listed them. They don't need to do more research, right? Unless you're going to go to China and really look around and be on the ground, unless you speak Chinese, unless you're spending a few years interacting with people and doing research, you can go home. Yeah, there's a group that does quite a bit of that. It's <coughs> Stephen Mosher over at pop.org, Population Research, uh, is the group. They do a pretty good job at getting on the ground like you, um, and they and they really bring some of the facts about um, population reduction, uh, et cetera, that, that goes on uh, in China. We're adopting those same policies, which we'll get into next hour, but they do a pretty good job on the ground um, as well. 
Well, let me give you a caveat to that. Because <laughs> um, a lot of people don't know why China's population is still not growing. Um, let's say I get married to someone in China. I have to pay up to like $20,000 when I get married. It's called a bride price. And it's not the same in every every province, but it's high. And then I need to uh, buy a condo and buy a car. And so every family in China does not want to have kids anymore, particularly a boy. They are not having children because of this situation. It's really fascinating. Um, but just to back up a little bit, when I was in China, I was approached to write uh, papers for companies in assessing America's strategy and policies toward China during the Trump administration uh, and to use uh, uh, confidential contacts I had to provide insight. Okay, They wanted to pay me for that information. Furthermore, they offered to pay me. They wanted me to write an article criticizing an American politician that was anti-China. And, you know, while I was in China, I contacted the CIA and I said, hey, this is really bad. I want to just let you know that China's doing this. And the way they do it is you write it, right? And then they just put money in your account, right? It's very easy to do that, particularly amongst all the Chinese in America too, right? They put the money in the account in China of a relative, right? And so there could be a lot more bribery going on in America that is really hard to detect. And I know that doesn't sound that great. China is swimming in in, uh, the excess dollars. I mean, we're shipping money out. They put containerized stuff to our shores of manufactured material, and we put containerized money to send them back. I mean, it's just, they're just swimming in money, and, and money is not an issue. They could pay any price. You could have probably said, well, yeah, I'll write that article, but I need triple what you're offering me. Whatever. Okay, fine. I mean, you know, it's just, their money has become a non-issue for the, for the big picture China. Now, for the people on the ground that are trying to eke out a living or whatever, as you point out, I mean, even getting married is beyond the reach of almost anybody over there anymore, or, the ability to get an apartment and vehicle and to live daily life. But but from the big picture, this is all a centralized economy. And, and they've got whatever they need. If if you could buy anything in this world with money, they're doing it. And, uh, and so we've just shipped our we've shipped our economy over there for crying out loud. We've but shipped it's, our it's a, go ahead. I mean, I'm sorry. I yeah, just get it's, ram, it's, rambling. <laughs> yeah, it's so there there are. Uh, Purchasing per capita is still like three times what theirs is in China. So they get all excited that their GDP might surpass the United States. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's not the GDP that really counts. It's the purchasing power parity. Uh, but there's some things that even though they have money, they really can't do. If you, if you give a pencil and a piece of paper to a 10-year-old kid in America and you say, draw me a car – the kid will draw you a car, and it won't be great, but they'll try. And if, if you do the same thing in China, the kid will go, I haven't learned that yet. Right? They, they don't have the ability to create things like the electromagnetic catapult. Their innovation capability, it's completely 
a singular population. Everyone is the same with the same education. So I don't worry about America's ability to compete. I don't worry that they have a lot of money. I, I worry about the evilness that they do, right? That's what, I, what I'm all about. Um, I feel sorry for the Chinese because they don't have free access to news and it's made them very, very close-minded. It's ruined, you know, 1.4 billion people. Yeah, and that's where I wanted to talk about the difference between the people and the government. The Communist Chinese Party has this godless, tyrannical agenda afoot, and everything they do mirrors that focus and pushes towards that end, that goal. Sadly, the Chinese people may be communist and may be closed-minded and may be in many, many, many ways ignorant. And I don't mean their intelligence. I mean lack of knowledge. Um, because they can't get news, because they don't have unique educational opportunities, because they don't freely think and make decisions for themselves for the most part. If you were to give them liberty tomorrow, they would throw it away. Not because they're bad people, yeah. but because they don't know any better. Okay? And so part of the problem is that, you know, I, I don't have any problem with the Chinese citizens for the most part. It's the government, it's the agenda. And let me give you an example. Uh, the, there's a professor. I guess he's a Japanese professor in the United States. He's at Yale. And he suggested a radical proposal to, quote, solve the elderly crisis in Japan. Now, the reason they have an elderly crisis is because they've decreased their population so much they don't have anybody to take care of the old people. But Professor Yusuke Narita, I think I'm saying the name right, Narita, suggested that mass suicide of the elderly is the only solution. Well, after he said that, everybody kind of freaked and went, are you off your rock crazy? Then he backed up and later clarified. He says, well, I'm not really suggesting the introduction of such a policy, but rather um, I'm highlighting that it will become more broadly discussed. So he got slaughtered for his comments. Then he backed off and went, well, I'm just saying people are going to be thinking about this as an option. Um, This is the kind of mentality that's psychotic. God says, multiply and replenish the earth. That's biblical. And you know what? That's never been rescinded, ladies and gentlemen. But yet the communist Chinese say, let's murder all the girls. Now you got a, a, a bunch of men grown up that don't, can't find any wives anyway. Uh, so they're ready to just be armies for the regime now. Or you say, let's kill all the boys because, man, we don't want to come up with some kind of a bribe, whatever, for our son to get married. We can't afford a $20,000 plus whatever and a car and a whatever for all these. Man, we can't have children that they've literally made it impossible and they've done it generation generationally to the point where now they've got a crisis on their hands from japan who embrace more of it than america to communist china but we're starting to be on the same trajectory sadly by choice because we've been wrongly educated as well that's why education is so critical that that we that we truly teach principles of liberty and we contrast them with the alternative or the <laughs> forced opposing view uh brad this is vital yeah i think it's education and i think it's family um the studies that show if you have a, a both a mother and father you know um as opposed to just one are 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 really very important i think that in china uh what we just saw with chinese uprising and protesting because of covid was something historic and it, and then President Xi caved in, right, and said, "Okay, we'll we'll let the restraints go." <laughs> what's, what's what's really interesting is my 
a friend I have in China sent me a picture of a of a COVID testing station that was churned into a police outpost. Uh, but anyway, the the whole thing of people uprising this shows that when the Chinese get angry enough, when they're pushed far enough, that they will rise up. And something that's very important to understand, part of the reason for putting pressure on the National Congress, is that within the Chinese constitution, ah, Dr. Bradley, now I'm talking about the Chinese constitution, how do you feel? Uh, within the Chinese constitution, Article 63, it stipulates that the National Congress members have the right to remove the president and the vice president of China. And this is a big deal. This is what we need to do, right, is to go after these people, um, to put pressure and to also put pressure on foster the people to rise up, to put pressure, to remove Xi. And this is what we should be talking about as a strategy and initiatives, not sanctioning companies that produced parts of a balloon, okay? I cannot overemphasize this enough. I'm so tired of it. <laughs> let, let me ask you a quick question. Um, I We think of often China as a kind of like this monolithic um, single entity kind of power with the uh, Communist Party. And they have exercised some pretty strong arm tactics all over the years. And and uh, this kind of gets to the leverage point, I guess. I've I've got some good friends. Uh, she is is Chinese and has, uh, uh, you know, family. Actually, Communist Party members uh, in in China. I mean, their their family is still tied very strongly to China. They have uh, family. Uh, I guess I'm looking at leverage points in that. Okay, let's say somebody comes to America as a Chinese person. Well, they still got people back home they care about. Uh, and uh, how much leverage do you think is is exercised from that monolithic government um, to kind of not only keep people in line in China, but to try and keep people in line that have have immigrated to the United States? Do you feel like there's uh, threats that are uh, made and carried out and, and that people have got to be looking over their shoulder all the time, uh, wondering if, hey, if I get a little bit too mouthy here in the United States or, or my grandma and grandpa or my mom and dad or my little brother and sister going to have repercussions for that in China? Are we, are we seeing that kind of uh, uh, effort to be able to keep a lid on and keep the people in line, even though they've uh, escape the clutches of China, so to speak, and they've come to America and they're free, or are they still not free because of the way the the regime handles, you know, their ties back home? Have Have you done much research what, or reviewed what, any of that? What, what? Yes, I have done research and I have personal experience. One hundred percent. Every Chinese person that comes here, they use WeChat to communicate with their family by text and via video about you know at least every other day. And if they say anything, they can be prohibited from returning to China and or their family can be harassed in China. And so the sense of fear is very, very, very deep amongst you know, I, everyone. It's palpable, probably. I, I think back about, uh, and it's a long story, and I'm prone to tell stories, so I won't do it completely here, but... Uh, after Saigon fell and the communists took over there, and, and some of the people that I knew 
that had assisted our U.S. efforts during the, that uh, whole event. Um, one of them came to the States, and, and it's a long story what was there, but he left his family behind. He'd had a little brother get killed in the uh, the Tet Offensive in, in uh, Hue in 1968, which is something that was an anniversary at this point. But at any rate, um, uh, the, the rest of the family was put in re-education camps. And, uh, of course, everything they sent out of those camps was, was censored. And uh, the little brother that had been killed in at Hue, uh, the whole family, of course, knew he was dead. And at one point, uh, one of the sisters wrote to this friend of mine that was in the States, and she said, mentioning this brother's name, he is so fortunate. He is in such a wonderful circumstance. If we could all be that fortunate, it would be a very, very happy time. You know, that was kind of the gist of her letter. And, of course, the Chinese, oh, they weren't Chinese, but they were communist censors, uh, looked at it and said, oh, this is good news. We can let this out. People will think things are going good here in uh, Saigon, whatever, uh, Ho Chi Minh City. Anyway, the fact of the matter is they let it through. But see, for the whole family, they knew that things were so bad for those that were still there that um, that this was really bad news that the communists would have wanted not it out and not letting it out. Do you think things like that, where there's kind of these inside communications things, get through the WeChat and things like that? And if they are, do we have a pretty good view of what's happening with the people that are left back home? I I view it a little bit differently. And again, I, I was just there for years and years and spent COVID there. Hey, Sam, great cliffhanger, ladies and gentlemen. Hang tight. We're going to talk <laughs> about it all. We're going to do it in seconds. Dr. Bradley will come back second hour. Set it up again for those joining for the second hour. By the way, I got incredible news coming up, too. We're being syndicated by more radio networks across the world now. How do you like that? All right, so hour one of the can, hour two coming up. Incredible talk radio, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we don't mess around. We're taking the gloves off. We're talking about things very candidly. I don't think the United States government or the communist Chinese would be very happy with our discussion, but we tell the truth because the truth shall set us free. Dr. Scott Bradley with me, freedomsrisingsun.com, and then Brad Good with us, thechinadeclaration.com. I am yours truly, Sam Bushman. God save the Republic of the United States of America.